The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. (laughs) Hey, what's going on, everybody? You look so stressed right now. Is it because there's a uh, recording device staring right at your Glassy eyes, my glassy eyes. <laughs> uh, hey, you can't see the studio um, normally, but uh, we're we're just playing around with toys in here today. So wait, is this streaming some live right now? In here, no, I don't oh, think okay. so. All right. Well, if it is streaming live to the I, hallway and, and I am, computer, <laughs> if it is streaming live and I'm picking my nose or I'm giving Eric an obscene gesture, please do not get offended. It is a very daily occurrence. <laughs> just it's another day in the. <laughs> With AJ. <laughs> oh, yeah, with me. With me. Of but, course it is. Well, I, I, guess I could probably say that about just about anybody in this building, <laughs> to be frank. What? No way. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, we're, however you may be tuning in and joining us, we appreciate you, uh, whether it's on the mobile app, 106.9 The Fan mobile app. I got to turn my mic to the side so the mic's not staring at my mouth. online, 106.9thefan.com, uh, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. However you may be joining us, we appreciate you or listening after the fact on our podcast. So a uh, couple different things to get through today. We want to preview Utah State and New Mexico, uh, Mountain West showdown for the Aggies tonight, but it's not in Albuquerque. No. How much of an effect will that play in the game coming up later tonight between USU and, uh, and New Mexico? Uh, Utah Jazz, but they did not show up for their game against the Nets last night. They've got another one tonight against New York. Um that could be a very strong part of our What Went Wrong Wednesday segment that we normally do on Wednesdays. Uh, and uh, we also want to get into the, the NFL. The season, regular season is over, but the NFL Hall of Fame finalists have been announced. Uh, the uh, the Rookie of the Year, MVP, things like that. Th- that discussion now can really happen now that the season is officially done. We can weigh in on our own predictions on who we think should come home with, with different hardware. And I don't know. Maybe Ajay, you and I will agree or disagree on some. Oh, of these uh, I'm sure we'll disagree. Postseason uh, awards. Mr. Forehead should not be a first ballot, but he will be by popularity. What? Yeah, Papa John's guy. How is he not a first ballot Hall of Famer? Eric, when we get to that subject, we'll talk about it. <laughs> okay, that's what we call a teaser, folks. We call a tease. <laughs> uh, let's let's start out with the Utah Jazz. As much as we don't want to, but. Um, my gosh, it's like they didn't get off the plane in Brooklyn. Here's a team, the Utah, who just came off of a big 20-point win in San Antonio. Yeah. Dropping three-point shots all over the court. Looked like it was a dominating performance. They looked good. And New Jersey, excuse me, Brooklyn, is a team that had been struggling of late. They, they started strong, but then they had been fading. They lost to the Washington Wizards, and Kevin Durant was going to be out Kevin or Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be out for an extended extended period of time, and I think the Jazz were reading the clippings like we should just walk in here and take care of business. But you know what, the give Jazz credit have, to Steve Nash. For well, here's the thing: up. is do you know what the Jazz have been good at for the last thirteen years? Is playing down or playing up to their opponent's level, right? The better they are, the better the Jazz play. The worse they are, the worse they the Jazz play. I think you and I could easily, without even hesitating, name off a bunch of games in the past 8, 9, 10, 11 years ago where the Jazz in an important game versus a really bad basketball team didn't show up, got wiped off the court, uh, and we were all left scratching our heads. But then turn around the next night and play a very high-quality playoff-like team and play out of their minds and win by 12, and we're thinking, where was this last night? Instead of, man, that was a great win. It's, why weren't you there last night when we really needed you? When I look at the starter lines, and plus minus, right? Because that factors in majorly. Bogdanovich, minus 23. O'Neal, minus 22. Gobert, minus 15. Conley, minus 12. Donovan Mitchell, minus 24. The whole entire bench finished all in the minus. Not one player was a positive. You know what my biggest issue is right now is not just the consistency, but if I can speak honestly here, Joe Ingles doesn't look like he even wants to play basketball. Like his mind is just off in some other land, some other place, probably thinking about retirement. I have no idea. 
because he has been so bad. He's he's slow off or defensively. Um, the only thing he's been good at is pick and roll passes. That's it. There's nothing else that I think Joe's been good at. He has been a different player since he uh, pretty much got told, "Look, you're going to be our first guy off the bench. Uh, you're going to be on the. You're, you're going to come off with that second unit." Because before he was a starter, and that, but the Jazz have, have recognized, look, we need somebody that has a little better defensive prowess with this starting unit. So we need Royce to start ahead of you. And since that got that decision got made with also bringing on Mike Connolly, that's affected it too. Um, Joe Ingles has not been quite the same guy. I think there was some hope, at least for me, that with Derek Favors coming back, that. That might invigorate Joe a little bit because those two had a special connection on the court and they played well together. But um, he he's been inconsistent. But you know what? I, I can't I can't put everything at the feet of Joe Ingles of how things went last night. No, yeah, everybody, Joe Ingles is not left alone here. Everybody came out lackadaisical. Portland was making switches and attacking, and the Jazz were like, "You mean Brooklyn? Excuse me, Brooklyn." I wish it was Portland because we would have played better. Brooklyn making switches and, and attacking, and the Jazz are just like, oh, they're doing something we haven't seen before. When No, they've seen it a million times. They just didn't seem like they came off the plane with the attitude that, hey, we have to fight for every game, for every possession. And it cost them. They were, they were smacked across the face early, and then they just never recovered. The poor shooting. Like... How do you go from one game where you're shooting above 50% to this game where they shot, what did they shoot? 38% from the field. They shot 32% from three. Uh, and, oh, from the free throwing, even when they were open, they'd still miss. I mean, it was 19-27, <laughs> to 27, Eric. That's horrible. Bogdanovich was 2-7 from the field. He didn't make a three last night. Uh, Conley was 3-10. So we're back to inconsistent Conley. That's wonderful. Gobert at the rim. You talked about it yesterday before the game started, that Jarrett Allen would be a problem for Gobert. That because Jarrett Allen is physical, he's aggressive, he was absolutely as advertised by you. Gave Gobert all sorts of problems. That block at the rim on a Gobert attempt to dunk was just frightening. Uh, and it's just the way it went for the Jazz. It's the way it went for Gobert. Gobert can't be getting dominated like that. If you're a Especially a younger all, guy. Yeah, and if you're an all-NBA player, that shouldn't be happening. Look, the, 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 one of the hallmarks of the Utah Jazz, the lineup that they have and the style of play that they, that they try to do, supposed to do every night, is they should rebound the ball usually better than their opponents and probably get more assists than their, their opponents, the way they pass that ball around when they're doing it right. Last night, Brooklyn, 51 rebounds to Utah's 42. Assists, 31 to 17. Too much hero ball Goodness, going on wow. with the Jazz. Uh, not passing it around, not sharing it. Uh, I mean, yes, Donovan Mitchell scored the most points of anybody. He still went 10 of 22, though. He struggled. That's horrible. It just the whole team just wasn't there. After the game, Mitchell was really upset, saying, look, we, we just don't know who we are right now. Okay, so look, can I ask you really quickly, from a fan standpoint, you see that these players are quote-unquote upset. Does it ever like change your mind to think, oh yeah, this team's going to be better tonight against the Knicks in Madison Square Garden? Does it, or is it just it's coach speak? It's yeah, we. I mean, we can't go into the media and say, hey, we're okay. We just got beat by thirty six by Brooklyn <laughs> without their best player. <laughs> is no. it coach speak or is there actually some sincerity that they're they're ticked off? Well, we know the real reason. Nine three one five has texted in and let us know. I think the ringmaster was the one that helped oh the Jazz lose gosh. last night. He called the game, and by that much of a margin okay. on yesterday's show. I'm going to speak into this camera right now. I did not call this game. That was Eric. Eric was talking about, hey, there's no Durant. There's no problem. We're going to be okay. Blame him. Don't blame me. 435 <laughs> if you want to weigh in. Or message I'm so us directly. Sick of getting blamed for this. Or, <laughs> it's always your fault. Or message us directly through the mobile app, 106.9 The Fan. Um, look, this is, I think Donovan's right. We don't know who we are. The, the Jazz team doesn't under, doesn't under hasn't coalesced together, which is shocking with all the players yeah, coming back. And that's not like be, there were a lot that's of not an excuse moving for me parts. Like, they have three new starters or anything. So, I, 
Look, they've played well for two and a half games. Donovan is right when he says that. They played well in Portland. They played well in San Antonio. They've squeaked by in a few other games. Uh, and then they've looked bad in a few others. A, a thing that is kind of an ongoing thing, uh, uh, a similar thread throughout all the NBA right now this season, is that there are a lot of blowouts. I think that not having fans in the arenas makes a big difference. That big, I mean, you're a professional basketball player. Just do it, right? And, and, and by the way, I, I want to ask yeah, you. Yeah, but there's a lot of energy that comes from having fans there for both the, the visiting and the home team. Okay, well, Brooklyn's used to not playing with a lot of fans, so I guess maybe they're used to it and they're able to just go out there and play like it's a normal game. But the thing is that Kyrie Irving went 12-19 and 19 from the field. I mean, he played like it was his own backyard, and he was playing the role of Uncle Drew. He was doing whatever he wanted to, wherever he wanted to, to whoever he wanted to. And I, I have to ask, is your bigger concern on the offensive or defensive side of the ball? Uh, that's a good question. Mine's because I think, I think that earlier in some of their games that, that they struggled, it was just that the offense wasn't really clicking. The defense was there, but the offense wasn't. But last night, the defense was really low. Oh, it was horrible. There's a play where Joe Ingles is matched up. Uh, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Green. But he, I mean, he absolutely loses Green. He turns his back to Green. Green's standing at the top of the key. He just shuffles maybe three steps to his right. And Ingles is still standing at the top of the key. You see the skip pass come to Green. And Alex Jensen, the assistant coach, just like throws his hands in the air because he knows what's the result about to happen. Green takes a wide open wing three. Ingles is lost. It's good. Quinn Snyder's got to call another timeout. It was just that kind of a defensive performance from the Jazz. Effort and execution. The effort wasn't there. The execution wasn't there. They were lackadaisical in every way. They were bad shooting. They were horrible on defense. And again, as you mentioned, the problem is, is you have no time to break down film to relook it over and go through a practice because you got to play the Knicks tonight. You have a day off, and then you're against the Milwaukee Bucks. And and the Knicks are no push pushovers no, this year. Knicks have very Julius much Randall improved. Is playing out of his mind. And RJ Barrett's having a great great season so, so far. So uh, did Quinn Snyder get out coached as well? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Oh yeah. Here's a here's a little bit here from Steve Nash talking about changing up his lineup, and I think that really threw the Jazz off. I don't think they were expecting it. And he talks about his motivation behind the change. I think we're going to continue to experiment. You know, we have to find out who we are, what we are, and where we need to improve. And sometimes, you know, just giving guys different opportunities at different times, you know, can mix things up. And we'll, we'll see different lineups, you know. So, um, you know, really proud of everyone for accepting that change and that dynamic and, and coming together and just playing their butts off for one another. It worked. Yeah. They, they, that was a team that was in a little bit of a rut. They knew they had uh, to insert somebody different into the starting lineup anyway because of Dinwiddie and Durant. But he was making some wholesale changes and it sparked his team. Quinn Snyder didn't know how to get his team to figure it out, which I, I like Quinn. But I, I think this was more on the players. You could see that coaching staff just flabbergasted calling that many timeouts early in the first quarter. They're trying to get a handle on it. But there's only so much you can do from the sidelines. The players aren't going to get out there and play with the right intensity and get it done. I mean, what what can you do as a head coach? Well, and Kyrie Irving was just on fire at first, right? I think I mean, how many threes what did he shoot to start that game? Oh, yeah, I don't like think he missed. 14, 18 points. In yeah, the first I don't think he missed or maybe he missed one 22 points in the, in the first, first half. Oh jeez. Yeah, see he and I think he missed one or two shots. In the first quarter, maybe one actually, and I think he missed one in the second quarter as well. Hard to guard a guy like that when he's on that on that kind of pace and in that kind of a zone. And lucky for the Jazz, Durant wasn't playing, or else he would have had a big, bigger problem as well. It's a two-headed monster of Irving and Durant. But at the same time, you got to either find a way to uh, like make an adjustment on that side, and that goes to Quinn, like doubling as soon as he comes to across the court, finding a way to trap him. Uh, or then, but then just making shots on the other side, and it wasn't like they were having bad looks. They had some good looks; they just weren't going in. But it's got to be more consistent, and it just it hasn't been. And by the way, I don't know if Bogdanovich is that healthy right now. 
I think that wrist is still giving him yeah. problems. Uh, I think you're right. Uh, I think that guy just is going to need more time. I mean, he was he was 0 for three from the three point line, two for seven. I finished with four points. Uh, following a performance where he looked great at San Antonio, uh, it's just going to take a little bit of time for him. So a bad performance by the Jazz. I'm not saying it's time to burn the ships and uh, you know let's let's blow this whole thing up. I, I think that it was. The team has had some inconsistencies, and that's a that's a concern. But they don't. It's a shorter season. They don't have a lot of time to yeah. take their time to figure it out. Now, someone asked me today, "Hey, is it is it Brooklyn or is it Utah last night? Like, where is the problem line?" And I looked at the individual and I said, "How many games are in the season?" He says, "Go, well, I know." I'm like, "No, tell me how many games are in the season." Seventy-two. Steve Klauke, when I used to produce his game for the Salt Lake Bees, and I think the Bees got beat, it was 20 to nothing. They got beat by Fresno. And by the way, that roster of the on the Fresno team included Alex Bregman, George Springer, uh, who was the, the, the other big hitter, um, Reddick. I mean, they, they had a loaded roster at that time, right? Uh, all going to be up playing for the Astros, creating that dynasty of a team. And I remember after the game, I said, that's got to be just incredibly embarrassing for the Bees. And it was almost a matter-of-fact question where Steve asked, oh, Jay, how many games do you guys play? And I'm like, I don't know, like over 100? And he says, exactly. Every year, one of these games is going to happen. Either going to be on the good side or the bad side. In fact, you might even be on both sides during the season. You just pick up and you go to the next day. And I, and I've, and I just I loved how he said it. And I love the, just the matter-of-fact voice that he used it in. And so when the individual asked me about it, you know, is it, is it Jazz? Is it the Nets? What do you do? How many games for the season? 72. When you play 72 basketball games against professional basketball players, some of the best players in the world, you're going to have a night where you lose by 36. The Jets have had a night where they blew out Portland and hit how many threes? It happens. It's basketball. But you just don't want too many of these games no. happening on a nightly basis when you're a contending playoff basketball team, which so many Jazz fans, except for myself, think. So, yeah, I was right on that. <laughs> Wait, what was that qualifier there at the end? <laughs> you don't think they're a contending playoff team? I mean, they're not going to – don't expect them. I don't know why people think that they're going to be in the, the Western Conference Finals or a top three seed. So you don't even think they'll make the playoffs? They might make the play. I mean, okay, sorry. Well, they might make the playoffs. I don't know if they will or won't. They might make the playoffs. I, but don't expect them to go out there and – and cause a storm, make a run at the Western Conference Finals. That's just not that's not the Jazz team we're going to see in a very competitive Western Conference. But it is a very competitive Western Conference. You're right, and they've been very inconsistent. Uh, and I think that's why, and that's why they're it, not it's, contending. It's concerning right now. Yeah. By the way, they are favored by seven and a half tonight in New York. Well, they were favored by how much last night? Four and a half. So let's let's just tone it down on the whole line thing. And by the way, I would take the under. I just like the Knicks didn't play last night, and they're at home. That's true. And the Jazz have—I t- don't know how tired they're. I mean, there's no are. travel involved. No, but again, it's the Utah Jazz, and they play down to their team's level or up to their team's level. I don't know where the Knicks stand in that regard. Um, but it just doesn't seem like this this roster, for whatever reason, it seems to be cohesive. Like they love playing with each other. Are they having fun together on the court? Oh, I don't know. It's way too early for that. That's yeah. Let's. I mean, I don't know. I think. I think it's more of an individual question. I think there, there's a question of. Uh, there's a question of does that player enjoy playing basketball right now? Not that it's his other teammates. It's just him himself. Joe Ingles. I'm talking out specifically. I feel like that guy's ready to hang it up. If I'm being blunt. Now, the Jazz are 4-3 right now. They're the 4th seed, but they're tied with New Orleans and Golden State. Surprisingly, Golden State's at the 6th seed and 4-3. And And then Sacramento, Portland, Dallas, Denver, and San Antonio are all at 3-4. Clippers Clippers are 5-3. Lakers, Suns, uh, 6-2 and 5-2 respectively. So there's still a lot of basketball to be played. But that 4th seed, that 4-6, through maybe 7th seed, is the range where you're going to expect to see the Jazz at. And if they're in that seventh seed, 
first round and out exit, just like I told you at the very start of the or before the season even happened. Stop. You this have happens a, a lot where I'm right. You have this special ability to speak, to speak it into, into existence. existence. I don't. I'm I cool with it when it's like cool things, but when it's like oh, negative oh. stuff. What do you mean when it's negative stuff? This is realistic stuff. You Cub fans, every year, hey, it's our year to win the World Series. Hey, uh, Rizzo, I'm trying it out it for you. It worked year. once. <laughs> In 100 years. <laughs> uh, it's a what went wrong Wednesday. Feel free to chime in on other things that went wrong this past week. Hey, we got to start calling it a grievance Wednesday, too. Do you remember the grievance session we had? Oh, for festivals. That was so fun. Yeah, the airing Dude, of grievances. We got so many good texts in that. 435-339-0321. Or you can message us directly through the 106.9 The Fan mobile app. It's free to download. Uh, let us know what you thought went wrong. Uh, coming up a little bit later on, the, uh, because of the Jazz, they do play. So we do have a shorter show tonight because they're in the East Coast. So tip-off will be at 530, which means Jazz pregame starts at 520 mm. here on The Fan. Um, but a couple other things we do want to get through. Utah State, they play tonight. So we're going to preview Utah State and New Mexico. They're on the road. Uh, the NFL Hall of Fame finalists have been announced. And uh, what about the, the now that the season is over for the NFL, who's the MVP? Who's the Rookie of the Year? Who's the Defensive Player of the Year? Who's the Coach of the Year? So run through some of our predictions of at least who we think deserve the uh, postseason hardware that's coming up here on the Full Court Press. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson <laughs> here on The Fan. If you want to weigh in on a what went wrong Wednesday. Did you see this one? 435-339-0321 or through the uh, 106.9 The Fan mobile app. <laughs> no, are you laughing at the text that we just got? Yeah. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, you want me to read it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, 9474 text in. What went wrong? Have you seen Tom McShay's mock draft? That's what went wrong. New England getting Justin Fields. He even acknowledged that it won't happen without a trade-up, but from what he's heard, it's a possibility. Please, to all that is holy, don't let Belichick get Fields. By the way, if he does, no, I because I see what 9474 is saying. Belichick getting Justin Fields puts the New England Patriots back in the Super Bowl conversation. Justin Fields is that talented. Or is it because Ohio State quarterbacks have a terrible track record in the the NFL? Because they're coached by horrible coaches. Dwayne Haskins was not, I mean... That's just a mess. Uh, Terrell Pryor with the Raiders, and and by the way, Terrell Pryor was a horrible example to give because he was just there for the money and the partying. So I'll throw that one out the window before, and then it got too late, and he started to care. No, but when he when whoever this Ohio State quarterback is, if he lands in Patriot Title Town, then Belichick keeps him grounded. It, it honestly, Belichick will keep him grounded. Hey, look, it's either the Patriot way or it's go get out of here. And goal will be a backup quarterback for the New York Jets behind Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson or whoever. By the way, and I think, and this is just me, I don't think Belichick's going to be able to get that high to get Justin Fields. I think Zach Wilson is a uh, is a probable candidate within the New England Patriots range at the 15th or 16th pick. Hmm. I think Zach Wilson could fall to them. Or Utah or nice. Or Are they going to uh, use uh, their first-round pick on a quarterback? Yeah. You have to. Cam Newton's not going to play for the Patriots next year. Yeah, absolutely. Stedham's not going to. Stedham's not going to get it. I don't think he's getting it, or else he would have played before Cam. Like, because Belichick is a guy who will take his rookie QBs for what they are and give them a fair shake. He did it with Jimmy Garoppolo. In fact, he wanted to get going with Jimmy Garoppolo sooner. Uh, Stedham just wasn't working out. Maybe he was. Maybe he turns around, he finds a way, and he and he turns it on, which would be great. I don't know, though. Speaking of quarterbacks, or at least former quarterbacks, yeah. we know that there's a coaching vacancy at Boise State, one of the few vacancies still left. Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator at the, with the Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys, 
has been rumored as a as a target for Boise State, as he should be. I mean, he, he's got the coaching experience in the NFL. Granted, it's just the offensive coordinator, but he was well-loved, well-respected uh, for what he did in a Boise uniform. But uh, apparently, um, <laughs> there's some controversy surrounding what went on with Kellen Moore. Uh, apparently, they were talking to him, but then he's like, you know what? I'm going to stick with the Cowboys. And Troy Aikman has has gone on national television saying, it, it, throwing out this theory that the reason that Kellen Moore didn't ultimately decide to become the head coach, even though he got an offer, was because he didn't feel like they had a commitment to him and to to winning like he wanted. Yeah, dude, he told the story during a Giants-Cowboys game on national television. And then he was asked about it on the Rich Eisen show, or I can't remember where it was. And then the, the, they had the full quote um, of him talking about it. Do you have that full quote there? Uh, so this is, I don't know if it's the entire thing, but this is part of what uh, Aikman said. As they were working out some details, there was a bit of a disagreement, and it was that Kellen ba- uh, backed out of the deal because he questioned the overall commitment of the university in supporting the football program and his opportunity to succeed. And then he goes on to say, uh, if you're Kellen Moore, if you're a Kellen Moore fan, you're and you're betting on his future, you say, gosh, I like him even more. That you're not trying to make something work just for the sake of wanting it to work. That you're sticking up for what you kind of believe in. So I think that's a good sign. I don't believe it that it went down that all that all of, all of a sudden the Cowboys stepped up and offered him a huge contract and he says, Yeah, you know what? This is really where I want to be instead. I don't feel that's the way it happened. But it doesn't really matter now how it happened. He's back. And for Dak and the Cowboys, I think that's a really good thing. Here's the... <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know you know where to start with it's this. Weird. It's really weird. Okay, so let's let's play the hypothetical crystal ball game. It's one of my favorite games to play with you. Uh, if he did go into that meeting and there was a disagreement of whatever it was, enough to chase him away from not being the head coach of Boise State... Where do you think that disagreement fell upon? Like, is it salary? Is it how would the university not be committed to such a great coach like Kellen Moore? Well, th- that's where I'm at. Like, what uh, what would the potential disagreement be? Uh, questioning the overall commitment in supporting the football program and his opportunities to succeed. So, what does that mean? Yeah, I'd- they're not going to give him the same amount of money or i wonder if it's that he wouldn't pay his assistance maybe he wanted a couple because look his name recognition and i think 9474 uh would would probably agree with this i know we have a couple of idaho uh 2787 another one that like you know that kellen moore wanted to be a coach there and that with kellen moore his name recognition not just in college football, but in the NFL, is very well known. And he had maybe, he was eyeing some really good assistant coaches, some name-worthy recognition assistant coaches, and he told the administration, hey, I want these guys to get paid. I want them to get the shiny penny. Okay, pay them what they're worth. And then the Boise University said, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't know. Maybe then Kellen's like, look, if you're not going to support them, you're not going to support me, I'm out. Well, according to KTVB7, a a TV station in Boise, uh, they're saying that, you know, uh, there's a lot of people in Boise that are upset with Troy Aikman right now, saying that he's totally off base. Uh, Part of it is that um, these conversations with Kellen Moore happened before Boise settled on their new athletic director, who has uh, been named as Jeremiah Dickey. He's their new AD. Um, And they don't think that Kellen Moore probably even had a chance to talk to this guy. That's that's bonkers. So that's just that's what's all no weird way. and controversial. You could just say, look, if you really want to meet the new AD, you talk to the new AD. Let's just put a, push this on pause. I don't. But there's also kind of a, a a ticking clock here on Boise to make a decision because everybody's going to go out there and start poaching recruits because you don't know what's going on in Boise. You don't know who your head coach is. Come to us. There's certainty here. We know who we are. We know what we're doing. We know how you'll fit into our program. You don't know how you're going to fit into that new program. You don't even know who their new head coach is going to be. 
Hey, uh, going back just a bit here, 2776 texted in, Wilton on the Patriots would be a dream come true for RJ. His two favorite sports franchises colliding. Hey, I'm getting a new job there, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, 9474, Eric was right about that. Ohio State's former quarterback and Heisman winner, by the way, Troy Smith, went to a great coach in Baltimore and was a stinker. Ohio State QBs are overrated. I'm saying that would be bad for Belichick. Right now, it's who's better, Brady or Bill. If he picks an Ohio State quarterback, it will hurt his side of the argument because OSU QBs are overrated. Then, P.S., I told you guys that Jerry Jones loved Kellen. Jerry told Kellen he's the coach in waiting. Well, that goes how, to our, uh, our conversation yesterday. Yeah, what's, yeah. what's the better situation, being a head coach at the college level or the NFL level? And I, I, there are differences. There are pros and cons of each. Okay, but then add on, the caveat that, add on the caveat that Kellen Moore was going back to the university where he's a god. Uh, yeah, he would have been. I mean, oh my heavens. On a they would have built a statue already of the guy before he coached his first game. I, this is Kellen Moore we're talking about. And I, and again, I think it's the name recognition of the assistants that he wanted those assistants to get paid. That the administ- excuse me, the administration said no to that. That they'd like to have him, but we're not going to pay him as much as you're wanting us to. Because isn't that always the biggest argument from head coaches? Is I want my assistants to get paid something close to what I'm getting or near what I'm getting, fair shake for what they're doing. You hear it all the time. Exactly. Especially if a coach starts to have some success. Exactly. And like, how Look, many I, I might have an opportunity to go somewhere else. And how I many universities bought that idea? Yeah, how, I need the commitment to the, the rest of my team yeah. who has helped us to get to this level. Yeah. And how many universities balk at the idea of, no, we're not going to pay your assistant coaches. We're not going to pay your defensive coordinator this amount of money, X dollars, that is just short of what you're getting because you what? Want him to come replace you after you leave in two to three years? No. But that's the thing is, I don't think Kellen was going to leave in two to three years. I think Kellen was in there for the long haul. He just came from the Dallas Cowboys. And he's going to Boise, Idaho? Give me a break. If he's going to Boise, Idaho, he's there to stay there. And he's there to go win some championships. No doubt about it. Uh, KTVB, they're, and following up in the report, they say Andy Avalos uh, probably... It's now put in the, the the driver's seat, I guess, to land the job. I would job. imagine. Uh, he's a coordinator at Oregon. Uh-huh. Defensive coordinator. Uh, probably not as widely known of a name as like Kellen Moore no. would be. But now that they've named a new AD, he's kind of pivoted yeah. saying, why does it need to be somebody in the Boise State family? And he comes from Baylor, right? And so, yeah, he apparently other names are getting tossed around as potential candidates like Graham Harrell, Brian Johnson. And even Tom Herman is being is surfacing as potential. Okay, but here's the but you're going to run into the exact same problem: is that guys like Graham Harrell or Tom Herman are going to come in and say, "Okay, well, I want this amount of money, and I want my assistants to get paid X amount of dollars." If you can't find a middle ground there, you're going to be still searching. I think Brian Johnson might be the one guy that you may not have that problem with. Where is he in OC? At? He's in OC, right? I don't know where he's at though. Sorry, who? Uh, Brian Johnson? Uh, he's Florida. Is he at Florida? I don't think he'll... The financial problem will be... Uh, like, would occur with Brian Johnson, but I would definitely say it would, it would happen with Tom Herman. Definitely. Graham Harrell, maybe. <laughs> that's, yeah. That, that's it. And by the way, er, uh, February signing days in a month. So now I want to pick up the pace a little bit here. Yeah, they got to get that figured out. And by the way, how many players... Due to the situation in Boise, cut, bacon run. Well, not too many coaches have followed Harson to yeah, Auburn. Yeah, a couple of. I know they just lost their defensive coordinator, or who was it they lost to Boise? Or uh, not, excuse me, to Auburn. Who did uh, Brian Harson snag with him? Strength and conditioning coach. Oh, is that. Oh, is it the strength? Okay, I thought it was somebody else. All right, well, uh, Brad LaRondo, I don't know where, who he is. Bottom Anyways, line here is that there's a lot of uncertainty right now in Boise. Yeah. And it's not settled. Co-defensive which, coordinator and defensive line coach, Spencer Danielson, is left for Auburn. Oh, okay. From Boise State. Right, well, there you have it. So, what went wrong Wednesday? 
there's still a lot of unsettled yeah. business in Boise. Yeah, absolutely. Which is just perfectly fine for everybody else in the Mountain West. Yeah, nobody's feeling sorry for them. It's no. like when the it's like when the Patriots went f- six and whatever. No one felt bad. Everybody was laughing. I was getting mocked on the streets. I was getting I was getting uh, banana pills thrown at me. <laughs> um, you did I not was, get banana pills thrown at you. Um, I was. Someone drove by in a big puddle and splashed me with a bunch of water and laughed and said, "Go Patriots!" mockingly. Um, I could probably see that. I'm asking you. I, I may or may not have been to you, Patriot in that. haters. Love me, okay? <laughs> Treat me like one of your own. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Was that a good enough plea? Yeah, that's that's, a, <laughs> that's okay. probably too much. Uh, you don't know what it's oh, like, Eric. Two seven seven six says they were plantains, <laughs> not bananas. See plantains, and it was him. Seven seven six was the guilty party. Oh, uh, that's great. Uh, coming up next here in the full court press, Utah State does have a big basketball game coming up tonight. We want to preview that. Here from Craig Smith, um, Mountain another Mountain West showdown, and uh, Aggies are doing well so far. But how are they going to do against New Mexico? This is not in New Mexico; it's in Texas. And that's maybe a bigger challenge for the Lobos than the Aggies. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. We'll hear from Craig Smith coming up next right here on the Full Court Press. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Full Court Press here on 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. I'm supposed to scoot in, keep the microphone out of my face. Posture. I'm trying. Good posture. So wait, the whole entire time while I was out here, <laughs> I'm supposed to be here. Stay put there, AJ. <laughs> Stop moving around. Stop moving around. Uh, so the NFL, we'll get to the Aggies here in just a little bit, yeah. but the NFL announced their the finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2021. Uh, some pretty notable names on that list, like Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Calvin Johnson, uh, defensive end Jared Allen, some of the bigger names on that list. Uh, but there's also... Um, we're, <laughs> we're, oh, Rondé Barber, Tony Baselli, Leroy Butler, Allen... I don't know how to pronounce his last name. He's a guard. Alan Faneca? <coughs> Tory Holt? <coughs> John Lynch? Clay Matthews Jr.? Sam Mills? Uh, and defensive lineman Richard Seymour? Uh, linebacker Zach Thomas? And wide receiver Reggie Wayne? Those are your list of finalists. Okay, so they need to choose between four and eight new members. Uh, that will be announced on February 6th during the NFL Honors Ceremony. They'll be enshrined on Sunday, August 8th in Canton, Ohio. Uh, give me let, – let, let's go through the list really quickly. Uh, I, Peyton Manning? Yes. I'll say yes. Uh, Calvin Johnson? See, that's – I'm going no. Um, as a first ballot, this is his yeah. first available year. He'll get in, but not right now. I, I kind of agree with that. I think he'll get in, but I don't know if he's a first ballot. Uh, Jared Allen, I don't think we'll get in either. Not yet. Down the road. Tory Holt is a yes for me. Um, Dude, he was a big part of that greatest show on turf. I, he was... Uh, the huge part. Kevin Falk, Kurt Warner, and Tory Holt were the reason why that thing existed. Okay. Richard Seymour was part of the Dynasty defense. He was the yes. captain Legion of the Dynasty. Of Boom. How does Teddy Bruschi not make this list but Richard? I mean, and again, all due respect to Richard Seymour, Teddy Bruschi was the Dynasty of the Patriots defense. Richard Seymour was the captain. But Teddy Bruschi needs to get some love. That's really, really bothering me that he's not on the list yet. Richard Seymour, I think, gets in. Uh, and I think Reggie Wayne and Charles Woodson also get in. How many did you say uh, could, so get in? Between or is it going to depend? Between four to eight can get in. 
but it says, yeah, it just says four to eight. So I would imagine Peyton Manning, Torrey Holt, Richard Seymour, Charles Woodson's absolutely going to get in, and Reggie Wayne. So I got five. Uh, this is the eighth time that Lynch has been a finalist. Yeah, he's the not getting in. The sixth time for Feneca. I don't even know if I pronounced that right. I'm sorry. And the Should fifth be. time for Baselli. I don't see it. It's just too big of a list, man. Peyton Manning, Richard Seymour, Tory Holt. Charles Woodson's absolutely getting in. If he doesn't get in, that's a that's a sham, and that's a big, huge shame on the NFL. Reggie Wayne, I don't know. I'm not as confident with Reggie Wayne because he benefited that he had Peyton Manning as his quarterback. So Yeah, I, but you still have to do something when you get the ball. He yeah, was Peyton, a great dynamic wide receiver. Okay, well then Wes Welker should get into the Hall of Fame. Wes Welker is the Reggie Wayne of the Patriots. Well, Reggie was to the Colts, Wes Welker was to the Patriots. And so if Wes doesn't get into the Hall of Fame... Wes is a great route runner. So is Reggie I'll Wayne. i that. Reggie Wayne did more than just run routes well. <laughs> what? Okay. Uh, uh, what? Yards after catch. Wes who, Welker. Who did better with yards after catch? Oh, my gosh. We really going to do this? <laughs> oh, my heck. Yards after catch. Really? That's where we're going with it? I'm sorry that Wes Welker had to catch a five-yard route and turn it into extra 15 yards because Tom Brady wanted to check down almost every single possession because Randy Moss was running a deep route, taking three guys with him. Reggie Wayne could run the deep route without having the effect of, I mean, it was Reggie Wayne, right? There was Marvin Harrison yeah. if he was healthy. But it was more so Reggie Wayne. I, we're just you're giving, making my argument. No, no, no. You're giving too much credit to Reggie Wayne and not enough credit to Wes Welker. Whatever Reggie did, Wes could do it too. They both had this exact same effect on their team. The exact same effect. If Reggie Wayne gets in on a first ballot, Wes Welker sure as heck better get in. How, how many years after you're done can you appear on the ballot? Uh, Four, I think. It's either four or five. I should know that. Yeah, I know. Me too. I, I think it's... Uh, now I have to type it in. Sorry. For all our camera people, this is how we do our research. <laughs> uh, how many years, right? So while you do that, the uh, there's 15 players who were announced as finalists. Uh, that'll be trimmed to as many as five later this month by the Hall of Fame's Board of Selectors. Five years. Five years after you're done. Yeah, so Welker's, I think he's still got... So he's got a few more years. Yeah, he's still got two, three, three more years, I think, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Charles Woodson should get in, as absolutely should get in. He was incredible. Like, what he did... I mean, he won the Heisman Trophy as a defensive player. <laughs> That's incredible. Well, it, it is. In a loaded... And by the way, that was a loaded class, too, of of Heisman finalists that he beat out. Well, and he had a long, successful career in the NFL. Oh, yeah. And he was a he was a difference maker. I still think he was wrong. It was an incomplete pass when he hit Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game in the snow at uh, Foxborough Stadium. And uh, they called it an incomplete pass, rightfully so. I mean, if it was a fumble, then he probably would have been more famous. <laughs> okay. The, the talk roll. Come on, man. Uh, so, okay, real quickly, the regular season is done Yep. in the NFL. Yep. Who's the MVP? It's got to be Aaron Rodgers. Right? I would I would vote for Aaron Rodgers. If I had a vote, I would give it to Aaron I think it's close from what people think is. I think Patrick Mahomes is making a good run on it. They've lost, what, one or two games? Kansas City has only lost one. Green Bay has lost three. But Aaron Rodgers, he's number one in the NFL in um, with the with quarterback rating, highest quarterback rating, forty eight touchdowns and only five interceptions. Yeah, that's incredible. It's incredible. About about forty three hundred <clears throat> yards passing. Um, defensive player of the year, Chase Young, out of Washington. He's a force. He's going to be really really good if he can stay healthy and keep his mind right. 
See, I give it to Aaron Donald. Uh, still, everybody knows about Aaron Donald, but he's still wreaking havoc yeah. on opposing teams. 13 and a half sacks, 45 tackles, four forced fumbles. Um, just what he does, even though double teamed, is just insane. Uh, rookie of the year. It's got to be Jefferson from LSU. He's playing at Minnesota. He's had a couple of receiving records. That guy's, he's, boy, he's everything that was advertised when he played Utah State, wasn't he? Huh. I mean, he is a very, you want to talk about a guy who has great speed, great route running, can turn guys, can turn defensive backs into like just circles and run right by him. It's amazing. Uh, I'm going with somebody else who set records as a rookie, and that's Justin Herbert. Wow. I give him the rookie of the year. Um, he was, uh, he had more passing yards than Rodgers. He had more passing yards than Russell Wilson. Um, he's the number six overall quarterback in the league. He had eight 300-plus yard passing games. That set a rookie record. Hmm. Eight games of 300 yards or it's more. pretty good. And he nearly beat Kansas City yeah. on, on his shoulders. Uh, and then finally, coach of the year. Uh, comeback player of the year, by the way. I'm going to oh. get Alex Smith if I may. Yeah. Just, I, just I just figured that was that, a runaway. I just, yeah, I just thought There's that no was... no debate there. I just think it was so cool what he's done. Eric, it's been amazing to watch his comeback, and, and then he beats Pittsburgh. Uh, just awesome, awesome. Uh, coach of the year is, I was thinking Andy Reid. Uh, you know, actually, I'm going to stick with Andy Reid. I mean, the Chiefs have lost one game. That's hard to do in the NFL, especially with the schedule they played. Okay. I'm going to go with Sean McDermott. Oh, that's a good one. I think with what he's done in oh, Buffalo, that's a good one. 13 That's three, a great one. Uh, one of the top Quarterbacks in the league, the Best top wide receiver in the league, and the defense has and been a good, phenomenal. Solid defense, winning their division for the first time. That's in a great two one. Decades. Well, that's because Tom Brady's not in the division, though. And I'm being dead serious. Like Tom Brady's not in that division, so of course Buffalo's going to win it. They only win because it's a Patriot loss. Uh, they, well, I mean, they when only else has another team the advantage besides the New England slide. won the division, Eric? When Tom Brady's not playing, which he didn't in no way, and at 11-5, they lost the division to the Dolphins. When else has Tom Brady lost the division to anybody else during his time there? Nobody. No. It's, not once. It's true. Tom Brady's not there. Bills win the division. That's it. And the rest of the division was crap. Jets were horrible. The The Dolphins were inconsistent. And the Patriots were, um, they had lost a bunch of key guys and... I mean, they're doing what they're doing, dealing with. So, uh, two seven seven six texts in and says, "What? No, Russell Wilson? No. He, oh yeah, he didn't That's get a vote from, from either one of us. Yeah, it'll be another year where he has a great year and he doesn't get an MVP <laughs> he doesn't get MVP vote. vote. <laughs> All right, uh, another quick time out here in the full court press. When we come back, we'll start to preview Utah State and New Mexico. Big showdown in the Mountain West between the Aggies and the Lobos. Stick around. It's coming up next here in the full court press. Eric France and Ajay Salveson here on the Full Court Press. Hey, I know it's it, it's not in our realm of discussion because of we are a a sports show, dude. But what's going on in our country is just a disaster. It's probably appropriate that this is taking place on a Wednesday. It's like what what went, went wrong? wrong? Yeah. Amen. This is disastrous. This is scary. Stupid. It's I, stupid. And I just keep seeing it's videos, it and it just makes me want to throw up. Just and be ashamed of us as a country that we've we've got to this point, and that people. Have just, I mean, this is ridiculous. This is this is horrifying. It's really stupid. Yeah. And so, did you see the, the stuff that happened with Mitt Romney in the airport and on an airplane? No, missed that. Yeah, people came up to him with their phone cameras, yelling at him, just being stupid. And then uh, that happened in the airport, and then on the plane, a bunch of them would start chanting and yelling at him from the back of the plane. Can you imagine being on that plane? You're like heading back east to go visit family, and you got some nut jobs that just won't shut up, going crazy. I'm not saying that we should defend Mitt Romney for everything that he does. I just think there's there are certain behaviors no, I, that are I, and look, I'm not even like that are just I'm not even do. partial to either side. I just I mean, can we act like grown ups here? Or do we need a be five-year-olds and storm the Capitol. 
Well, and look, there's video of a bunch of these people attacking the media. I, that's, the, I their, just watched that their video. Their camera gear oh my and everything gosh. And smashing it. That's it's tens gross. of thousands of dollars. It's, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Stupid. Good for us. Or it's just... Jeez. Uh, coming up next hour, <laughs> we'll reset. We'll, uh, we'll preview Utah State and New Mexico. The Aggies are on the road tonight. And uh, we'll preview some of the things that uh, Coach Smith has to say about New Mexico, the storylines. The game's a little bit later on tonight at 8 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. But we give you our keys and predictions coming up next hour here on the Full Court Press. Stick around. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. So what are you hoping for then? Cream filled. <laughs> Always cream filled. Why? You remember the last time you had a donut over here? I had to sanitize the whole entire thing. No, you were a little over. over dramatic. Yeah, dude, because here you are. Have, I'm not even joking you. This is what he did. He had this like juicy, greasy donut. It and wasn't then, greasy. Yeah, and then, it was delicious. And then he was like this. <laughs> Starts typing on the computer, grabs his mouse, moving around the thing. Oh, wait, there's still more. <laughs> and he goes back to it. That's what we got to deal with. I, I sanitized my area when I was done. Oh, you didn't sanitize? No, you did not. <laughs> Bull cr- baloney. This, this had to have been pre-COVID, right? Please tell me it was pre-COVID. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's why I had to come over and sanitize the whole thing. I was like, well... Can't wait to use that computer tomorrow. <laughs> uh, hey, welcome on into the Full Court Press, everybody. A shortened hour. I know. Utah Jazz will be starting here. I should be excited. At uh, Jazz are at the Knicks hoping for a better outcome tonight than what they showed against Brooklyn last night. Um, really poor performance by the Jazz. Amen. So David Locke will have his pregame coverage at 520. Tip-off will be at 530. Uh, but the other game that we're going to be paying attention tonight, Utah State at New Mexico Although it's not at New Mexico, it's not even in the state of New Mexico. This game is actually going to be played in Lubbock, Texas. And I wonder if Matt Wells is going to stop by either tonight or on Friday night. He'll probably maybe he visit privately with some yeah. of the people. A couple of people. I don't know how, how well he and Craig Smith even knew each other. Uh, I know they had a lot of respect for each other. Yes, yeah. I do know Matt that. Wells would go to a few of his games, actually, sit right behind the bench and be there to support him. It was pretty cool to see. It was actually really cool to see. So this New Mexico team struggling so far on the season. Uh, this is a team that hasn't won yet in the Mountain West. They're three and four overall. All four of those losses have been in Mountain West play. Um, and uh, but that being said, this is a team that can rebound the ball really well. They do have some pretty good players. Uh, it's a team not to be overlooked or uh, disrespected. And in fact, Coach Craig Smith had a lot of high praise for one of their key guys, and that's Maliwak. And uh, here's what he had to say about facing one of the Lobos' top players later on. Or, well, they'll face him later tonight on CBS Sports Network. He's a very good player, and he's caused us problems over the years. Um, you know, certainly, you know, he's a he started however many games in a row. I think it's uh, high 60s or 70s, um, and there's a reason for that. Like, he's very consistent. He's dependable. Um, he's really rounded out his jumper. And he's hurt us from the three um, in the past as well. He's got a great pull-up game. He's extremely athletic. He's one of those guys that just he's uber athletic, both sliding his feet, leaping ability, and he's super fast. I feel like he's tightened up his handle uh, and makes better decisions. So he's there. He's certainly the guy, the straw that stirs the drink, so to speak. He's the guy that's been down that road and played in a lot of big games for them. And uh, he really, quite frankly, does it all. Guards the other team. You know, he's a very good defensive player. Um, he's kind of like I've used with, you know, Diogo Brito and Marco Anthony. He's a bit of a Swiss Army knife. There's not much he doesn't do on the floor. Yeah, Matt Watch is a really good, really good basketball player. Uh, he's, he's solid on the boards. Uh, in fact, this is a – and you mentioned it yesterday – really good rebounding basketball team. Um Malawash so far is averaging, what, he's shooting 39% from deep, 
Uh, he's shooting about 50% at the line. I don't know what he's shooting from the field. 39% from the field, I guess. Averages about 15 points a game. It's not bad. What's his... Uh, Six and a half rebounds That's about game. to ask him about the boards. He's the leading rebounder. Oh, is he leading the rebounds? Wow. Mm-hmm. So, uh, best player right there. And I think that's the only player you really are, are, are worried about. I don't know if there's anybody else there that, honestly, to me, scares me right now. No, I think that's... Yeah, he is their best player. Now, Rod Brown can get loose a little bit. Yeah. Uh, that's another guy that, that can contribute and... Um, He's had some games for them. He's averaging a little more than 10 points a game. Uh, Coach Smith talked a little bit about him as well. These really, Utah State has four guys who average 10 points or more a game. New Mexico only has two. Mm. Um, and so Utah State has a, a much deeper bench, more contributors, more guys chipping in. It's For New Mexico, it's Malawak and kind of Brown, if that makes sense. Yeah. But uh, here's Craig Smith letting us know a little bit more about Rod Brown, who he is. He may not be his recognizable name and his impact of a player. But Craig likes this guy Craig, a lot. Craig is very high on Rod Brown. Yeah, Rod, Rod Brown is the guy you're talking about, number five. He is an incredibly high motor. He's their second-leading scorer at 10.5 a game. Um, he's a very good rebounder, specifically. On, well, he's a good defense rebounder, but he has 16 offensive boards in seven games. So you're doing something right. And he's got a high, high motor. Um, he's all over the floor. So um, uh, I, don't, I always try to think of who comparisons, but I'm not sure this is exactly right. But like he, he just, he's skilled, like he handles it well enough. So he, he's more skilled than Dennis Rodman, but like he's just everywhere uh, on the floor. He'll play the four. Uh, and the five for them. Of course, Keith McGee's been a guy that's been around. He rolled his ankle, I think, in the first half against Boise. So he didn't play a whole lot against Boise. did not play um, in in the second game um, at their place as well. Jeremiah Francis is a guy that transferred from North Carolina. He's a starting point guard, 6'2", 6'3", really strong, like 205 pounds. Um, I mean, he went to North Carolina for a reason. He hasn't shot it great up to this point. But he's got a smooth shot, and uh, I think it's just a matter of time for him. So, you know, they're going to play 10, 11 guys uh, on a regular basis, and they just keep throwing waves of guys at you. Singleton is their third leading scorer at eight a game, 6'6", six, six, kind of does everything for them, plays the one, two, three, plays all over the place. Emmanuel Kuax, the guy that played two years right down the road at Kearns High School and really athletic. I believe he started He started the first two games. Now he's coming off the bench, but he's a freak athlete. Um, so they, they're just – there's so many guys that are big, strong, and athletic. And then, of course, they're fives. They throw it into the post a lot. Matos is a true freshman, but he's 6'9", and really strong. Um, I'm sure he's 250 at least. Uh, and then 22 Manuel is a guy that can score it inside. So I know I just named about half, most of the roster, but that's how they play. They're constantly subbing to keep guys fresh, and they just try to really wear you down. You ask about Rod Brown, and you get uh, a lot you get more. The whole than, you get some bonus material. And then you usually get the, uh, the the rhetorical question at the end of, what was the question? Uh, <laughs> look, Malawatch is the only guy that I really kind of think stands out on this roster for a numerous amount of reasons. He just hit the 1,000-point club for New Mexico. He's starting in 63 straight games. This is his 63rd straight game, actually, starting tonight versus the Yaggies. So he does... Like that's the one guy that I single out and say, if you shut him down, the Lobos are in deep trouble. Like I mean, with San Diego State, Boise State, um, even UNLV, there's multiple guys who can do damage. I really feel like Eric that if you put all the pressure on Rod Brown, uh, if you put it on, uh, honestly, the whole entire everybody else that's coming into that game, it's gonna falter. I. I <laughs> And I think the Aggies could run away with this thing. On paper, they're a much, much better team, deeper team, athletic team in every single facet of the basketball game. Uh, coming into this game, Utah State is favored by 12.5, though we can see how, for entertainment purposes, that can be really wrong sometimes. But what worries me a little bit about this game, Ajay, is this is a desperate New Mexico team who hasn't been able to get on track yet in, in conference play. Uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Coach Weir does something like Steve Nash did against the Jazz and switch up his lineup a little bit and try to find a combination of players that's going to work for him. Like Singleton, uh, excuse me, Jeremiah Francis, while he has 
struggled. He's only shooting like 19% from the field goal uh, range. Uh, he's a 9.5% from three. But he's a player. And a guy like that's not going to stay down for very long. You know, good players figure it out and finally get, you know, start coming together, start being impactful players on the court. So I worry about this being, uh, you've got a, a, a team that's a decent team kind of in the corner. And they could be, they could start doing some desperate things that could work in their favor and go in there, get some, get some momentum behind them. But that being said, if this game was in New Mexico, I'd be more worried. The fact that this game is in Lubbock, Texas, it's it's an away game for them. They haven't been there for very long. It's not it doesn't feel like they're home away from home just yet. So it, it's going to be weird for them as much as it's going to be weird for Utah State being away from their friendly confines. You're right. They had to travel for this game just as much as Utah State did. The pit has always been a menace for the Aggies. Uh, Snake sits right behind the bench. Voices his displeasure about every single Aggie, including the equipment managers and the water boys, the assistants, the grad assistants. Um, but and and with that place, when it's rocking, it's a tough place to play at. We're in Lubbock, Texas, which, with all due respect to Matt Wells and Texas Tech, is a crap town. <laughs> uh, and there and it's it's at Lubbock yes. Christian University, where a men's and women's basketball game is being played. There are no fans there. This is a genuine open scrimmage with it being that the games count. But it's an open scrimmage. Take it as such. Go out there and take care of business. Dominate the game on both ends of the floor. Should be a runaway tonight. Uh, Nen315 texts in, if they shut New Mexico down, how much does USU win the game by? And I'm I'm assuming you mean defensively if they shut New Mexico down? Because if yeah, if uh, coronavirus shut them down, then it's not a game. But I think... Utah State defensively has been a real key, and I think if they shut them down with that defense, that aggressive defense they've been doing the last four games, I like Utah State to cover. It's a twelve and a half points coming in. Yeah, this I game. think it's way over I that. I think it's probably more like fifteen to eighteen is my comfort level coming into this one. Yeah, eighteen point win would be nice over New Mexico. Look, we talked about that they haven't been challenged all really all conference play long, right? But yet San Jose State drove Boise State to near sweat, blood, and tears. Through the wire. In, yeah, in, in, in the last second buzzer shot. Um, and then Colorado State came back from 27 down to beat San Diego State. Air uh, Force beat Nevada. And Air Force beat Nevada. And exposed them for the first time ever. So with this, if you go in there and you win a game like this by double digits, that's a big statement in game one. It is easier, excuse me, it is harder to win game two than it is to win game one. If you lose game one, there's a lot of pressure and panic on you to make sure you don't get swept. You win game one, the worst you do is is split. And that's not a horrible thing. I mean, so go get game one, and, and I, I think you can, I wouldn't say relax a bit, but there's not as much pressure as you or on you going into Friday night's game uh, in, in Lubbock. Yeah, I mean, this this is a team, their, their conference losses, they were blown out by Boise. In their two games, uh, Nevada beat them by double digits in each of their two games. The second one, closer than the first in both instances, but um, but still, you know, they they've had a hard time in conference play so far. Uh, their three wins: they beat Rice on the road, seventy-two to sixty-one. They beat Our Lady of the Lake, one hundred four to sixty-five, and then Laterno, ninety to fifty-eight. So they're pre. Conference schedule, I and mean, really not anything to write home about. No, it's so pretty bad. And then, uh, as you saw, they get into conference play, and it's, yeah, they're really struggling. You see what it's all about, right? So, I, I, again, I, I like Utah State tonight to win. Um, as nine three one five asked, if they can shut them down, you know, offensively, then I think you win by comfortably. Who needs to play the bigger role tonight for USU? Justin Bean. Or Raleigh Worcester? Raleigh's got to get back on track. I know, and look, he hasn't had a horrible game, but he's been a little bit more quiet. I want to see him get back to being aggressive Raleigh. Being smart, but being aggressive Raleigh. Because when you get an aggressive Raleigh Worcester, boy, he's tough to stop. I mean, he gets into that zone where he's locked in. And you put in the the great shooting of Brock Miller, the dominance of being a cat on both sides. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, this thing could turn into a runaway train very, very quickly. See, I think I'd put more emphasis on Justin Bean just because the, the real strength and talent of New Mexico is in the post. And so it's 
if they can take away New Mexico's strength, everything else will fall into place really easily, I think. Um, just because if everything else holds equal and how Utah State, that guard play has really improved their defense. I just think that if Utah State can handle what's going on in the post, what New Mexico will want to do with their bigs, the Aggies will take care of business. And I think that puts a little more pressure on on Justin Bean than Nimi uh, a little bit. But um, that's I'd, I'd probably lean more to, to Justin Bean. There'll maybe a little bit more emphasis coming from him and what he could do. Shoot well. I mean, during his recent six-game winning streak, they've shot almost 50% from the floor, averaging around 83.5 points, 19.5 assists, uh, outscoring the position by 30-plus points. Shoot well, shoot early, shoot often. Uh, and if you can hit these shots early in the in in, in the uh, game, get a nice little run. This thing could turn upside down on New Mexico very quickly. Yeah, and I like that you know the, because of their defensive intensity that leads to transition points. Uh, I like Utah State to get out in the open uh, and uh, run run on New Mexico, make your life difficult for them, make them second guess every pass that they're going to make, and uh, cause some unforced errors to go yeah. along with it. Hey, really quickly, I know we got to go here soon. Does it, uh, Jazz win tonight? I think the Jazz win tonight. I have them losing. They've played well on the road, generally speaking, and I think they're really salty over the way things took place last night in Brooklyn. I dominated. Coming up next on the Full Court Press.